What is up, Super Nintendos? Welcome to Nintendo Voice Chat, episode 583. I am your host, Seth Macy, and this week, I'm excited, making her Bay Area debut, Bay debut Rebecca Valentine. Hi, Seth, from San Francisco at last. And a little cross-pollination from Destructoid, we have one of the best names in gaming, Eric Van Allen. Hello, hello, hello. And of course, it wouldn't be NBC if we didn't have industry legend Cat Bailey here with us today. Cat Bailey welcoming Rev to San Francisco, God's own time zone. Hi, Rev. <laughs> Hi, I brought a week's worth of rain with me. I hope you're happy. Uh, Thank oh. you. California needs it. God knows. <laughs> what a blessing. <laughs> we have a lot to talk about today. The first thing we're going to get into, however, wait, why did I say however? That doesn't even make sense. Uh, Animal Crossing, New Horizons. I don't know if anybody's heard of this game. Kind of a big deal. Uh, there was a, a feature went up by Adam Bankhurst, one of our freelancers, about uh, how Animal Crossing New Horizons is another case of Nintendo stopping support too soon. I don't know if, uh, if listener, if you remember, at the end of the Nintendo Direct, they said, this is the last, these are, excuse me, these upcoming updates are the last major updates. And that's it. And it's kind of unusual to think that a game that is so perfectly suited to be updated forever and always, like a Minecraft or a Sims 4, is just is done. And that's it. And uh, Kat, you had some things to say about this, uh, I believe. Yeah, I'm going to throw Adam under the bus. I think uh -oh. that it's not as bad as people are making it out to be. I think Nintendo has a bit of a bad rap for support for its games because traditionally it's been a little bit behind in terms of online service and everything. But if you look at the history of its games outside of Mario Kart 8, which was a port ultimately, it's actually been surprisingly good at supporting its games. Like, just look at Pokemon Sword and Shield. It had two really large DLC expansions that added a huge amount to those games, including entirely new, two new regions, among other things, in, well, two new areas that you can explore, I should say. And they, like, really refined the wild areas, they added a ton of legends, um, new story beats, that kind of thing. And honestly, they... Elevated Sword and Shield to a mid middling Pokemon game to, in my opinion, one of the better <laughs> Pokemon games ever made. Like Whoa. that, specifically, I, uh, the armor expansion with Urshifu was one of the best Pokemon quests I've ever played. So, like, that was ongoing support for quite a while. And they have, like, in the game, they have competitive seasons and rewards and things like that. So, no, is it? as overbearing as a Call of Duty is or a Fortnite? No. Is it non-existent support? Also no. And if you go down the line, you look at games like Splatoon. Splatoon also got a very large expansion. So the games that are, uh, and of course, Super Smash Brothers, a game that has been continuously supported for, what, three years now? So if you go down the line and you look at the online games that Nintendo has, in my opinion, actually, Nintendo's done an okay job of continuing to support its games. Now, if you look at Animal Crossing, it's been impacted by COVID, no doubt about it. I sure. think that Nintendo wanted to have a much more steady cadence of releases of content for yeah. this game. But COVID like really screwed things up. Rooster was being data mined almost as soon as the game like was released. <laughs> Like this has been long in coming. Do you think so, then if uh, if it weren't for COVID, do you think that we would have reached the end now? Or do you think that Nintendo hmm. just said, you know what, here it all is and we're done. Forget about it. Go home. It's, it's I don't know. Um, 
And also, I think plans can change. Uh, if the, Animal Crossing gets a huge boost in engagement and people are back to playing it and the community like enlivens again, maybe Nintendo will go, eh, maybe we'll put out more content. Who knows? But Super as it stands, Mario like... I was, Mario Maker would like a word mm. with you, Kat. Well, yeah, <laughs> it's true. You? Mario uh, Mario Maker was, honestly, it didn't sell well. It sold really mm, poorly. Heartbreaking. And, as, and some of that is down to Nintendo, right? Like... Mario Maker 2 was a disappointment compared to the original Mario Maker. It removed a bunch of features. It changed the way that the game actually was. The community was still strong, but not as robust as before. It, so, so it sold below expectations, as I recall. And at a certain point, Nintendo was like, okay, we're not going to keep going with this. Like At a certain point, you cut your losses. So yeah, you're right. That is a fair point, Reb. But I think that a lot of companies would have looked at the engagement and the sales of a game like Mario Maker 2 and cut short their support relatively early. Mm. Eric, I'm interested that's... to... Oh, no, go ahead, Reb. Oh, I'm also I... interested to hear what you have to say. Please don't Sorry. think... I think the thing, though, that I, is, is baffling people is many of the other non-Nintendo games, the live service games that get ongoing support, get it for, you know, not just two two or three years, but for like, like every other company except Nintendo seems extremely interested in keeping their games alive for as long as possible because I, I presume it is cheaper and easier to keep updating a game rather than release a whole new brand new thing that has all this, you know, it, 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 like to, to stop to stop everything for several years long enough to make a brand new premium thing that everybody pays full price for. It's easier to just keep updating and you can keep making money that way. Nintendo has what all these companies envy. It has these games that there is just a pile of people standing at the door going, yes, we are here. We will be here for as long as you want to make content for us. I would keep coming back to Animal Crossing for years and years and years if they just keep throwing a little bit of new stuff in occasionally, like just enough to get me to stop back in on and check on everybody. But I mean, this this looks great. I'm super excited for this update. I will probably play it for a couple months and then I will probably stop. And then if there's just no other reason to come back, then I'm not going to come back. But if they uh. gave me little tidbits, I would. And it's, I don't know. I think it's just very surprising that they consistently do this with their games where they have this audience like banging on the door, like ready to jump in. And but are they, but are they consistently doing it? Because again, I would argue that a game like Pokemon has actually been consistently supported over the life of its of its game. It's just that our expectations have been skewed in some ways by these games that are supported for like 10 solid years. And we have come to expect just content for content's sake forever and always. You're supposed to be playing these games unto perpetuity, the forever game. And I think that's kind of an overbearing expectation in many ways in this industry. Yeah, that would be the point I'd make is that it's not just an overdue expectation to keep these games updated, but we also have just higher expectations of Nintendo in general. We want the Nintendo seal of quality on everything. Oh. And you see you so know many good. service games. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You see so many service games go through uh, eras where people are saying, oh, there's updates, but they're not good updates. They're not the right updates. They're not the quality. Yeah, do we want Nintendo to be great. Genshin Impact? Is that uh, what we want? No. I mean, <laughs> I like Genshin Impact. <laughs> do you want Nintendo? If you want that, there's already that version of Nintendo. You have things like being made by third parties. You have Fire Emblem Heroes. Um, you have the the Pokemon Unites. You have the Pokemon Go's that are already being made. That are these service type games that do these constant updates. But when it comes from Nintendo, there's still that feeling of it has to be a Nintendo product with the Nintendo level of quality. And keep in mind that Animal Crossing 
still a fairly recent game. I mean, this is a pretty big update and we're not that far removed from when this game first came out. So honestly, I think if we weren't all holed up inside and already binging our way through Animal Crossing New Horizons, this would be a pretty regular content pace. It's just that we all have a very different sense of pace when we play video games all day. Yeah, actually, I hadn't considered that perspective. But then I think of something like Minecraft, where my two kids are so excited because they're adding frogs. And that's kind of <laughs> it. Frogs and I think like a, like some sort of animal, like some sort of insect. You feed animal them. Crossing will have a froggy chair. Hello. OK, like they could. I feel like personally that uh, I, I feel that Animal Crossing is the same sort of idea as Minecraft, where you could just be like, hey, guess what? We're adding frogs and people would like lose their minds because they lost their mind for froggy chair and i do feel like maybe nintendo is cutting the support specifically of animal crossing a little bit too short because it is i mean like look if they just said you could build another room on your house people would go right back in and spend however many hours it takes to get another room on their house or another you know 10 more slots in your pocket Something like that would just make people go crazy and they're not going to do it. And I think that that's sad. And I don't know why Nintendo. I mean, I oh, God dang. Like I said, one of these weeks, we just want to say Nintendo, not going to Nintendo. But here they here they are again, I think. Look, I these think expansions are really good. They're mm-hmm. huge expansions. They I add know, a ton to the game. But, they, yeah. but they, they, the finality of it, they're like, well, these yeah. are huge. And that's it. Oh See God. ya. That's See ya on Switch Pro. I think that's what makes it sting more for Animal Crossing fans, because remember how long we waited for New Horizons? Remember how long? We played New Leaf for so long, and we even got an update in New Leaf out of the blue several years. The little camper thing with Harv. We got that several (laughs) years after the original game came out. No one was expecting it. It just showed up, and it was wonderful, and it brought everybody back in. Uh, but we we waited so long for this game. And what Seth said, the finality of it, the fact that they sort of just came out and said, yep, we're done after this. That's it. No more. Uh, how long are we going to have to wait for the next one? Probably a really long time. I assume they're not going to put out another Animal Crossing on the Switch. That would probably be sort of silly. Uh, and, and so, yeah, I think I think after going so long and feeling so starved and then having this sudden immense feast that we devoured very quickly because of COVID, and then this like slightly smaller feast in the form of this update, and then just no more. It, it's a little sad. I think it's okay to be a little sad. I, yes, okay. I love this game, and I think that I would love to have still more content coming around, like another round of expansions, for example, next year, because I would keep playing. And I think you're right, Rev. I think some of it comes down to the nature of the content. like. I want to build more buildings on my island. I am kind of surprised by the, for example, the lack of ability to build more shops. Brewsters within the museum. It's another wing of the museum, for example. Mm. I would love to be able to save up more money and put a really cool new shop or something, invite new and interesting people onto my island. By the way, we do get new villagers in this one. I think that a point of comparison (laughs) is maybe Stardew Valley, a game that had a multitude of really strong, in some cases, I think all free updates, like over the course of its lifespan, because Concerned Date was just working like a maniac for like five years. But maybe people are looking for that kind of cadence of updates with Animal Crossing. Man, that's a lot. That's that's a big expectation, I think. Yeah, but it's also, you know, Nintendo versus an indie game. I mean, Nintendo can do what they want. They have the resources. They have the power within them. 
give us Animal Crossing forever. I don't. Let me ask uh, all of you: How many hours do you have in this game, uh, Reb? How many hours do you have? I, I think. I mean, we already talked about Cat last week. But I'm just curious if that uh, sort of oh, I your perception checked lately i think i'm probably somewhere at least in the 400 territory if not okay. in the 500 i have <laughs> the average a number for a uh, nvc so little content in this game and yeah. yet <laughs> and yet well that i it makes me very happy i want i want to keep playing at 20 minutes every day but at a certain point i look at the game and i say okay there's this is not a fulfilling use of my time right and i know i'm going to hit that point again and I'm I, I'm trying to stay in the moment and just enjoy it. But at yeah. some point I am going to hit that again. Oof. I'm sad. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for your loss. But Eric, how many hours <laughs> would you say that you have? Oh, no. Crossing? Nowhere near that level. I got other games that eat my time way more that are not Nintendo games. So we don't need to talk about them here. And I get to escape my <laughs> shameful no, hour Nintendo. Count. Eric started like a whole Dota. Discord around turnips at one point. I did. First launch. I did start a turnip Discord, and that was probably the deepest I got into it. But it was I, really useful too. It got me some good bells. I'm sorry nice. for leaving that Discord. I mean, I closed the Discord like two weeks ago. So. Oh dear. Um, no, it's, my heart. I probably put maybe like you know a few dozen. You know, probably I wouldn't say more than sixty to eighty, which I feel is. Okay. Sounds really high compared to any other game that's like Tales of Arise completion yeah. numbers, but at the same time for Animal Crossing, it's like, oh, that's you know, you played it for a bit, right? Uh, <laughs> and I, yeah. I feel like with this update, it, that's what made me realize that, like, okay, I put in the time I wanted to put in then, and with the update, I'm willing to put more time in now, especially now that they're adding stuff that appeals to me a bit more in the long term, like the the home designing stuff, mm -hmm. right. Yeah, I don't want to sound like I'm defending Nintendo at all costs because I, I think that's how it's coming off a little bit. Don't worry, bit. you'll get accused of that. You don't have to worry. <laughs> I just, I think it's less about what we're expecting on Nintendo and more about what we're expecting out of developers generally. And this content at all costs mentality where we're just expecting more content always and forever from these, frankly, fairly overworked developers during COVID times strikes me as a little a little worrisome you know mm -hmm. it seems maybe not unsustainable but at a certain point if you're just going i want every game to be a service game on the level of genshin impact you're gonna you're gonna every game's gonna turn into Fortnite, and you're gonna just get commercialized tie-ins all kinds of horrible oh, nonsense man. online events and i don't want that from nintendo i want nintendo to nintendo Scott concert i mean kk slider duet no no Okay. And I don't want to come off as unhappy with this. This uh, I was yelling the entire time. I was off work last week because I was still <laughs> moving, and I was just, just, just screaming through the whole direct because it's, it's an so awesome good. update. It's really good. I'm so excited. Look how, yeah. look how nice. Oh, yeah. yeah I, like I I'm watching the B-roll, and I'm sitting here going, "Gosh, yeah." Like I'm adding. I'm going to be able to add so much to my house. Like I'm so mm -hmm. excited to have all this new furniture, hanging lamps and everything, because I've long since tapped out the furniture catalog. I have, like, basically oh, yeah. everything. So, oh, Wow. That's really impressive. I, I don't want to sound like I'm diminishing the uh, the scope of these updates, because they are, like, tremendously huge. And Kat, I do believe that you're right. Like, they've been sitting on this because of COVID. And, like, yeah, I'm very happy that we're getting all of this stuff. I actually went back into Animal Crossing for the first time in a year six months according to my villagers who were beyond shocked to see me back now look who's back in town they're also nice that's what i like about so it. i will say that it is kind of a missed opportunity 
for Nintendo in its own way, just because Animal Crossing was so huge, right. so popular. It was it, it was uh, in the cultural zeitgeist, yes. and I think maybe Nintendo has allowed that momentum to dissipate. Yeah, it was the same that summer that Pokemon Go came out, and everybody was like, you know, gathering by the hundreds because they saw, I don't know, a Squirtle in a park mm-hmm. somewhere and you know that was just wonderful and it was the same thing with animal cross like, oh, of course we were all in our in our houses then but yeah it's such an important game for a million different reasons it's just i don't know maybe i'm being greedy i do only have it, it, 50 hours in more content more <laughs> i mean it goes back to what you were saying earlier right like maybe they did allow the moment to dissipate but when not when stopping the moment from dissipating and keeping it going requires two years worth of labor in a pandemic. Yeah. Like what? Well, what, yeah, it comes back. To, it comes back down to Nintendo, uh, especially was not prepared for the pandemic and work from home and has really struggled to mm. transition properly. And that is why you're seeing stuff like they're trying to get this this content ready for Animal Crossing. That's why you're seeing delays and that kind of thing. So, yeah. yeah. And I have to wonder sometimes, uh, like, this shows you how I didn't get very far in the game or I hadn't played it in so long. I updated and finally was able to go swimming. And I finally got my island designer. And I have to wonder if there's some weird ways that they, when they coded it in, you know, it's like, oh, you, you can't go to sleep and dream if you're holding your fishing rod. You have to get rid of that. Or you can't, you know, if you're wearing a hat, you can't dive unless you physically go back. You know, I'm obviously exaggerating, but it almost it makes me wonder if it was the way that the game was built just makes it complicated. Sort of like how, you know, yeah. programming for the PS3 was, was uh, notoriously difficult. I have to wonder mm-hmm. if that's sort of the case here, just because of some of the weird things. Like you can't just send stuff back to your house unless you, you can't can. craft items directly out of your storage. Which yeah. is yes! a very <laughs> game development's always harder than it looks. Yeah. And out of all the games, like Animal Crossing, it, I have quibbles with how it has how it handles online, but by and large, it's a fairly polished experience when you compare it to a lot of other games. And so, oh, man. Uh, we we expect a polished. We just kind of take a polished experience for granted until it's not a polished experience, and then we all lose our minds. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, that was an awesome discussion, actually, about the uh, Animal Crossing New Horizons update. And I'd love to hear what everyone has to say because we've revived the NBC podcast uh, Twitter account, so you can at us at that's the only way i use twitter now actually so that's exciting but moving on to the next subject this is was mind-blowing to me when kat brought it up it's been five years since the reveal of the nintendo switch and i would like to revisit that magical moment um if you all remember uh, we were treated to mario kind of creepily peeking behind a curtain um that was the sort of the, re- the tease of the reveal and then uh, I remember specifically, and I'd love to hear your all of your takes on, you know, at the time, what you were feeling. I remember seeing the Switch, being extraordinarily excited, thinking like this was what all my friends who weren't in gaming thought the Wii U was. Like I had friends who thought that you could just walk around with the Wii U gamepad. I thought, oh my God, they did it. This thing isn't going to be a success at all. I did not have any faith in this. I knew I was going to buy it. But I didn't think any of my friends were. And man, was high way off. All my friends now have the Nintendo Switch and are very excited. But Eric, do you remember? Do you, where were you where when was the Switch I? was revealed? It's one of those things that you'll oh, tell your no. grandkids. Uh, I don't remember specifically where I was, but I remember watching it and thinking 
so so way back before the switch was revealed uh i was like you know a freelancer living on low income trying to get through stuff and so for a long time one of my go-to's was just mario maker on the wii u and i loved it because i could hold that wii u tablet and kind of you know do all my mario maker stuff on it and still have like netflix or something like that going in the background i was like this is genius why doesn't the rest of the wii u work like this so seeing the switch made me go okay they realize this is the appeal of the wii u this is the idea of you can take it handheld you can take it to the the tv you can take it anywhere uh but i was still very unsure because the wii u didn't inspire mm. that confidence in me to begin with. <laughs> right. And uh, outside of Breath of the Wild, there weren't like a ton of games that they were coming out there with that, that looked really revolutionary at the time. Uh, and then once I picked the Switch up, I fell in love with it. It's been one of my favorite consoles since. But it was just a really weird thing of sitting there and realizing that this is the thing that Nintendo has been accidentally building towards <laughs> for so long. Like they finally, you know, they had the 3DS over here and they had the Wii U over here and they were just getting closer and closer with every step. And finally someone was like, Hey, why don't we just like do this? And and everyone in the back room is yelling like, yes, yes, this is what we've been trying to do for so long. So that was, that was the cool part. And I remember telling all my friends like, this is, this is so cool. You're not going to believe how cool this is when you're able to play a game on the TV and then play it in your hands. Like that's it. it it's still something that you take it to your grandparents' house and they're like, what do you mean? And you show it to them and they're like, blows their minds. So, yeah. <laughs> that's the grandpa demographic that they don't really talk about very much, but you want them, you want them on exactly. your side. You got to, I mean, it was the same thing for the Wii. You know how many times my grandparents oh my God, played yeah. Wii bowling? Like that's, <laughs> You got to get that demo. I used to work with an old guy and I was surprised to find out he had a Wii. And I was like, you have a Wii? He's like, yeah, I got all the games. Bowling. Still playing? Tennis. Wow. He only had Wii Sports, but he thought that that was all, all of the games. So <laughs> I mean, that's kind of kind of yeah. how it was. That and Carnival mm-hmm. Games. No disrespect <laughs> to the Wii. Great, great console. Yeah. But. yeah. It was it was it was a wonderful little little device there. But Kat, <laughs> do you could you take us back to your uh, your first impressions? five years ago completely different world there was i remember all of the speculation around the nx back in 2016 Mm -hmm. all the wild rumors and actually people pretty much got it right they were like it's going to be a hybrid handheld that can be docked to a tv and when the switch was initially revealed i was like okay yeah this is pretty much what we were expecting it looks pretty good in the trailer I have so much ptsd after the wii u i have no expectations (laughs) that this is actually going to work if you go back five years ago, at that time, it seemed like the world of dedicated handhelds were dead. The yeah. Vita was so dead. Yeah. Mobile well, games, yeah. mobile devices were firmly entrenched. And I think that it was kind of worth... Go- it was like, it felt like Nintendo was going all in, in some ways. It was pushing its chips to the center of the table and saying, all right, we are combining our handheld and our home console businesses. And if this doesn't work, we're in deep trouble. Yes, Nintendo has like ridiculous cash reserves. They probably could have ridden out even the failure of the Switch, but it would have really hurt because for so long, stuff like the 3DS and the DS and the GBA had been able to keep them afloat while the rest of their consoles, like the GameCube and the N64 and the Wii U, really, really struggled. So I'm sitting here going, it really felt to me at that time and Nintendo was being pushed from two directions. On the one hand, you had mobile de- developers and the popularity of smartphones, especially in Japan, 
pressing Japan, uh, pressing Nintendo on one side, and you had like PlayStation and AAA experiences pressing Nintendo on the other. And I wasn't sure if Nintendo was able to occupy that uncomfortable middle ground. But what I didn't reckon with was, first of all, the Switch is just a fantastic device. It's one yeah. of my favorite consoles of all time. It is just as soon as you have one, it makes sense. You're like, yes, I have this great handheld device and I can plug it into my TV. This is the missing link. This is what we were missing with the Vita. This is what we were missing with the Wii U. This is the device we have been waiting for. And the other thing I wasn't quite reckoning with was Nintendo's IPs. You know, they launched with Breath of the Wild. Mm-hmm. And Breath of the Wild yeah. paid over a lot of cracks. Yeah. And they had a killer first year with Mario Odyssey and Splatoon 2 and ARMS. It was a ridiculous first year. Oh, yeah. I I would say Breath of the Wild might be the best launch game of, mm. of all time. You think so? Yeah. yeah I could see <laughs> that. good. That, like, there's a there's kind of a Hall of Fame of, like, Mario 64. Halo, uh, yeah, okay, well. Breath of the Wild. I, like, I think Breath of the Wild's in that tier, for sure. Like, having that killer app did so much for the Switch. But the other thing that's great is Nintendo has conned us all into buying multiple Switches. I have, like, four of them in my house. It's ridiculous. I'm about to buy another one. Oh, oh my don't. God. So good. Oh, Reb, the I've OLED. Held out. I've held out. But... Were you convinced? Like, Reb and I actually got together the Not other yet. night, and she nice. saw the OLED. Uh... I just need another Switch. I just mm-hmm. need another Switch. Your Switch is, like, pretty janky at this point. You got, like, a yes. launch review unit. I have a review unit. The, ki- the kickstand has snapped off. Uh, the Joy-Cons <laughs> oh, all no. drift in oh, weird directions. Uh, it's, it's been dropped a couple times. Oh. Uh, yeah, I just need something. I need that one to be my little Switch that sits in the garage so I can play Ring Fit in the morning, and then I need a Switch that actually functions. Oh, well, turns out the OLED's a great choice for that. If you can find one, which you I can find one, good luck. Not. There's no way, but, Reb. So you had a review. Does that mean that you reviewed the the launch switch? I did. I was yeah. uh, some weird like hybrid freelance contract editor position. Um, yeah, oh, those well, standard boilerplate description you know, right there. Yeah, yeah, and I we we managed to be have a good enough relationship with Nintendo that I got uh, the switch. Uh, I got Breath of the Wild. I got one two switch. And huh. I got uh, I that game. I got a third game. I don't, oh, I got Just Dance, whatever the Just Dance was that year. Mm. I think it, it had already come out. It was just the port for the Switch. Uh, but I got those, and I had a week and a half to review all that. Uh, oh. That was not a, that was wow. not a healthy, that's Reb, not a healthy board game cow. situation. Uh, so I, yeah. <laughs> what was your reaction to the initial, like, final reveal? Like, you know, we we talked about the leaks, and we sort of all kind of knew what to expect. But then we see this this glossy images of a handheld hybrid i've been i mean i've been a nintendo person primarily basically my entire gaming life so i and i love the wii u i i, I recognize its problems. hey not, I, I don't i'm right there with you I, you scan, I love it i know i know it's a mess but i did have a wii u and i i generally it liked it. It, was, I told it was nice to it had, get one it had games i wanted to play and i enjoyed using it but it was it was getting old uh it was getting dusty <laughs> And I also I also really liked my 3DS, and I, I just had a really good time with Nintendo things, but I, I was ready, I knew it was time to move on, and I saw this, and it was just the Wii U and my 3DS smashed together, which is great. I I was really excited. I, I felt good about it. I didn't 
I mean, you know, the, the usual wariness, like the, what Kat said about how well, how well will this do? Because Nintendo's always taking yeah. these funny risks and we never really know. Uh, I do remember I'm watching, we're watching the B, well, we were watching the B roll a moment ago from the reveal trailer that was showing all of the different social functions of the Switch. Mm. So, so there's, there's the guy who's playing it in the airport. And that's something that I would do with my 3DS. I would take that to the airport and play it there. So I'd take the Switch. To the, I, I was sold by that. But then there's the people who are getting together. For, I always make, we make the joke about the rooftop wine party yeah. that you bring the Switch to. Or you take it out to the basketball court and everyone plays a basketball game on the basketball court. And then they play a video game basketball game. Uh, and, and that's a little silly, right? And I looked at the trailer and I thought, I am never. That's not something <laughs> I'm going to be doing. I don't think anybody's really going to do that. And then lo and behold... That is something that I do. Uh, I mean, less so pandemic times, but the other night, saw Cat and a couple other friends in a public space. We broke out the Switch and played a couple That's rounds of Smash on the Joy-Con. The future this, that Nintendo wants. Incredible. <laughs> and, and the thing about that is, like, it wasn't just that the Switch was good in its own right for Nintendo games. It was a good form factor for so many other games to start to shine, too, because... I've often wondered how big would Jackbox games have gotten without having the ability to just bring a switch over to somebody's yeah. place and play Jackbox. Yeah, we were playing on that it. on mobile devices, though. I was playing that on my phone. You're playing it on your phone, but you still need that like hub thing that connects to a TV or connects to some sort of mm. thing. And previously, you'd have to be carting around a PC or even a laptop, a PlayStation, something like that to do it. Now, you know, if a friend is texting me, "Hey, we're having a party, bring over Jackbox," I just grab the switch and a dock, and I'm set. And the same thing goes for so many other games that are so easy to just bring over to somebody's place. I think Snipper Clips was the unsung hero of Switch's uh, launch just because it showcased that idea of everybody gets one Joy-Con and you have fun playing little co-op stuff. And so many indie games have shown on the platform because of it. And I think that form factor is like the true hero of so many other games that aren't just Nintendo games on that platform. Yeah, agreed. One two, one two switch. I know, I know. One two switch. But in during the launch window, when I was reviewing that, so the week and a half before launch, I had to review that with other people. I I couldn't just play that by myself. And That's so just I one took, switch. I just grabbed my switch and took it over to a couple friends' house, and we sat there at, with it propped up, and we played one two switch. And in the moment before we knew that you were only going to play it for forty five minutes and then get bored. It was like everyone was fascinated. Like all my friends were scattered. Like, what is that? What it's vibrating? What? What is haptic feedback? What does that mean? Oh, yeah. It was so, it was very genuinely cool in the moment, uh, and I I think it was made cooler by the fact that it had that portability. Yeah, yeah. just take it. I think that we forget just how bad it was for Nintendo in 2016. I mean, the Wii U was so dead. Oof. People were losing interest in the Nintendo 3DS. I remember just how irrelevant Nintendo felt at that time. It, it was a tough time Dark days. to be a Nintendo fan in so many ways. And also Japan, Japanese gaming was in kind of a weird middle ground as well, because it wasn't as bad as it was in the 2000s, but the death of the, uh, the, death of the Vita left Japanese developers without kind of that natural home that they had had yeah. since the days of the PlayStation 2, because they'd gone from ps2 and then they kind of migrated over to the ps3 and vita and they were kind of moving to the ps4 a little bit you got games like near automata in 2017 but japanese so the nintendo switch gave japanese game developers like square enix like okay you can go here here is a place for your 
mid-range and lower budget games that like Octopath Traveler, where they will find an audience and have a natural home. And so as a result, I think that the Nintendo Switch has been really good for Japanese game development, as we are about to see with the release of SMT5. So of course, we still don't have Persona on the thing. Come on. It was yeah. Persona. <laughs> Dragging their feet on that one. I wanted to yeah. ask, what feature do you think is missing from the Switch? That like I was sort of expecting that we would have Street Pass with the Nintendo mm. Switch, and we Ooh, didn't. I'm wondering if there's anything. It makes me sad that they didn't have those social elements. Yeah. I yeah. took uh, one year I went to PAX East with my copy of Bravely Default, and all I did was just all that social stuff all day. And all the stuff where, you know, I, I can't even remember what it's called now. Um, when you would just meet people and then they, their map, where they were from, would show up. Yeah. You know, what state they're from. And then you'd get somebody from, like, Brazil. You'd be like, oh, my God, this is so cool. And I wish that they still had that. with us. So it's probably, like, a battery life issue or Nintendo worried about privacy. But I'm curious, is, is there any sort of uh, features that is, are missing from the Switch that you wish were there? Themes. Themes, oh yeah. my god, yeah, themes. themes would be good. What are you uh, doing, Nintendo? I, th- I will pay money. I will give you yeah. my money. Hello. They were so good on the 3DS. Yeah. Like I loved my Hanafude, uh, Hanafuda card uh switch theme or 3DS theme back in the day. So I'm like going, I don't understand. They're missing out on an opportunity to have people give them money <laughs> for like- wallpapers. We got dark mode. Now we got light mode. Yeah. So that's all you gamers need from us. So unfortunately. The UI uh, is really spare in a way that I find yeah. kind of surprising. I mean, it's fine. It's functional, but it does miss out on a lot of the kind of more enjoyable social um, elements. I, yeah. They finally got Bluetooth. Finally, oh, I can yeah, finally listen yeah. with my Bluetooth headphones, which is great. Uh, yeah. They finally, they made it a lot easier to upload video clips like extended video clips and things so you have to jump through a few hoops voice voice chatting is still a huge pain with the nintendo switch that is uh, so a lot of the online stuff app. like you still have to do it for the nintendo app yes oh yeah like an app which is going to do that come on yeah um so weird. i yeah i i just i wasn't sure about the time i was like uh, the nintendo switch is a compelling pitch but I what I didn't reckon with was that dedicated handhelds would again have a moment that yeah. people would want dedicated handhelds in their lives. Now we're getting like the Steam Deck and the Analog Pocket and oh, God yeah. knows maybe maybe a Vita two someday. Uh, well, yeah, I, I can remember you know listening to this show years ago and mm-hmm. like Brian Altano being like, "Why do I need a new handheld?" He's like, "I got a phone. I can play everything yeah. on this." And that Nintendo- was the that was consensus, you know, but. Dedicated handhelds are back in fashion. Thank God. In a way that I would never have expected five years ago. And maybe the Nintendo Switch is driving some of that. Like, I certainly hope so. I don't want d- handhelds to go away. Handhelds revived my love of JRPGs because I, before I would not, I was, as I got busier, I didn't want to run around looking for a save point. But when I got my 3DS, I could play it in bed. Oh, I'm tired. I'm closing it and going back to sleep, except for when I would forget to plug it in yeah. and then i would lose that like was that was the thing about the switch and what it did that the vita could not and that was that it was able to have games that felt like proper console experiences mm. translate to a handheld kind of thing so you didn't feel like even though there were some ports that weren't as good on the nintendo switch 
by and large, you did not feel like you were compromising by playing Switch in handheld mode. And that made it like very satisfying, for example, to just like the way that I play my Switch a lot of the time is I'll be watching a show and I'll have my Switch and I'll be like lounging yeah. on the couch and I'll be playing, you know, Bravely Default 2 or something like that. And that's great. That is a perfect experience for a culture in which we are always multitasking forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I love uh, I just love to grind because you can do it mm-hmm. as a background sort of thing. And that's I'm right there with you on that. I do want to point out that five years ago we were shown a uh, a holder for the Nintendo Switch that clipped into the back of like their Volkswagen van. We have not gotten that yet. And I'm wondering, where is that Nintendo? Where is our Volkswagen Vanagon Nintendo Switch holder? Please. Third parties, Seth. Let's- Third parties. Third parties, if you're listening. We got a flip grip. We can get. We got the flip grip. Now we need the Volkswagen flip grip. Yeah. Flipping, (laughs) gripping, Honden. I don't speak German. Sorry. The one person who does isn't here today. (laughs) Get Pear on the show so he can tell us what that would be. He he would make fun of me mercilessly. So, um, Kat, you mentioned Shin Megami Tensei 5 earlier. I would like to use that as a segue into the hot new segment that everybody loves cat takes cat please take it away hi my name is cat and i have a take cat take my cat take is people are sleeping on shin megami tensei 5 as one of the best games to be coming out in the nintendo switch this year i've been kind of nonplussed by the fact that shin megami tensei 5 has not been getting a lot of hype not been getting a lot of excitement. We were talking about Metroid Dread. We've been talking about Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. But in my opinion, Shin Megami Tensei Five, when it comes out next year, will be one of the single best games to come out. First of all, it's been in development for quite a while. It was announced almost as soon as the Nintendo Switch was announced back in like 2016, 2017. It had significant support from Nintendo. It looks great. And not a lot of people are super familiar with SMT5. Most people know Persona better, but SMT has a very long and proud lineage of RPGs. It is one of the greatest RPG series in history. And we got SMT3 Nocturne earlier this year, lauded as one of the greatest RPGs ever made. SMT5 is a lot like SMT3, but with quality of life improvements. You have demons on the overworld. It has the same kind of spooky vibe to it. You have demon negotiations. You have the insanely deep systems. But also, it looks really good on the Switch. It is quite a pretty RPG. Certainly, no offense to Bravely Default 2, which was a game that I actually really adored. But I think SMT5, in terms of presentation and polish, looks like an exponential leap over Bravely Default 2. Like, And yet... It's weirdly out of sight, out of mind. I think we should be paying a lot more attention to SMT5. I think that at the end of the year, we will be talking about this as one of the top releases of the year. Maybe the single best game come out on the Nintendo Switch if it pans out properly. Metroid Dread's great. But we're talking about SMT here. Nocturne is one of the great RPGs of all time. SMT4 is kind of underappreciated. If SMT5 can combine 3 and 4, like everything that worked in 3 and 4, we're going to have a killer RPG here. All right. 
Eric, you is this- brought this up to me the other day, and I thought that it either had come out a year ago and I had forgotten about it, or it wasn't coming out for at least another year. That's how that's, it was my brain. It was. That's what I was. That was what I was going to ask. Is, is this on your radars? Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Like Shin Megami Tensei is, as Kat said, a killer series. And especially on Nintendo handhelds, it has a legacy, not just with the mainline series. You know, SMT4 was on the 3DS, but it has excellent, excellent spinoff games. Uh, I love Shin Megami Tensei Devil Survivor, and it is an underrated game. And I will say that whenever I get the chance. But uh, this is a weird situation where I feel like it is partially that people aren't paying attention to it. And it's partially that the way this game has been marketed has just been so weird because i have a running joke with another fellow media member uh jesse vitelli uh who i dm him regularly to say hey there's a new shimekami tensei trailer because one comes out almost every night like clockwork (laughs) there's like 150 of them out there wow and it's really weird that we just keep getting these bite-sized pieces which i imagine are good for the shimekami tensei faithful but for people who are not so aware of this series, especially over here in the States, it's not really, you know, the, the inundation of content is not selling this game as much as like this footage that we're looking at right now, which is, do you want this sick RPG series about gods and demons and cool looking characters and ruins? And you get to punch a devil in the face. Like, yeah, that sounds awesome. Like, sell me on that. Don't, you know, don't play up the whole, oh, we've got another monster that's going to be in this game. Yeah. I think that's kind of the problem it has right now. Now, I'm- SMT also has a bit of a rep as mm-hmm. being a little too dense and a little too inaccessible. And it's a bit of a meme in the SMT community that you'll get SMT fans going, stop playing Persona. Have, I, have you played mm-hmm. the core series for God's sake? But there's a reason that people kind of sleep on the core series versus Persona, and that's Persona is more accessible by and large. Uh, But it seems like SMT5, like with a lot of the quality of life improvements, I've already talked about how the demons will be visible in the overworld. They got rid of random encounters, that kind of thing. It could be the game that I don't think it'll ever be a super mainstream success, but I think it might be a lot more accessible to newcomers than previous games in the series. And the Switch has a giant audience. So if it is one of the kind of secretly big games of the year, I'm excited. I'll admit, I have an RPG podcast, and I, I've been sleeping on SMT5 a little bit. Like I keep, I kept thinking, well, there's no big temple RPG coming out this year. This is a this is a pretty big RPG release. We've been waiting for this one a long time. So I think SMT5 deserves a little more credit, a little more respect, and I'm really excited to be playing it next month. You know, for myself and maybe people who aren't, I, I'm aware of Shin Megami Tensei, the series. I know what it's about, but I've never actually played one. I've never gathered mm. up the courage because I'm worried that I, I won't like it and then I'll be ashamed of myself. Oh. But what uh, could you, I guess, sell this game to people like me? Okay, first of all, it has a dark horror vibe that is just mm. unique. It, yeah, that's that's it's, a yes box. It has a fantastic universe. It is... And it has really distinct monsters, really distinct enemies that you can recruit into your party. And you can get really lost in the demon fusion uh, kind of systems and everything. Uh, Once you get into that stuff and you start building up your party and all the it's so well written. All of the demons have really distinct personalities, especially when you're negotiating with them, which makes it like it gets you more and more into the universe. But beyond that, could you explain the negotiation a little bit? I don't. 
Okay, so when you defeat a, a demon, mm-hmm. you can't. Some of them will like submit to you and go, "Oh, yeah, sorry. Like, um, maybe I'll join your party." And then you can start talking to them. And some of them are really weird. Some of them are kind of trickster demons, and they'll like completely screw with you. And they'll do things like, "Give me another item, another item. Give me some more money." Mm-hmm. Ah, screw you. I'm out of here. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. and the randomness of it can be frustrating. But every demon has such a distinct personality, even if they're just like making horrific howling noises at you, <laughs> that you have a real sense of place when you're interacting with these creatures. And of course, they've been in every game. So they become very recognizable over time. But another thing that's great about SMT is that there are so many different choices to be made. And invariably, there are a lot of really fantastic endings that you can get into. And it goes into some dark places. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, we did a huge podcast about Nocturne not too long ago. And wow, I came away feeling so impressed by that game. And if SMT5 lives up to that level, it's going to be a historically great RPG. Should I give three a chance then? Three, the threes, the problem with the Switch port is a little iffy, Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, like it had some some technical problems, like some people were frustrated with various elements of SMT3. And frankly, while it does hold up, it is an acquired taste and it Uh, moves at kind of this weird languid pace. I think that SMT5 is going to be way more accessible than SMT3. Awesome. Yeah, I reviewed Bravely Default 2 and I I think I gave it an eight or a nine because I liked it a lot. So knowing that would, does that color your uh, well, recommendation? I think SMT5, uh, I think the thing that the crossover between Bravely Default 2 and SMT5 is that SMT5 has a really dense battle system. That was one of the things that I really loved about Bravely Default 2. Yes. That's, yeah. Okay, cool. And it's turn-based. It's not like you run mm-hmm. around. Okay, okay. Turn, turn-based battle system. It has um, a okay. battle system where if you hit an enemy's weakness, you can start continuing to have additional turns and you can bank turns. It's oh, uh, The way that they use that boy. is really interesting. It's a little bit like Bravely Default in that yeah. way. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Oh, that's one of my favorite feelings is when you sort of master a, a, a battle system in a game and just yep, use it to your exactly. advantage. So, Break uh, it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. All right. I'm very excited. Reb, what is your, do you have any history with this series? Other than no, not knowing I, that this was coming out? No, I've, I've, I've dabbled in, uh, I don't know if it was a demo on the 3DS or if someone had a copy I borrowed. I, whatever, whichever one was on the 3DS I played for a little bit. Um, I don't know. I just, I kind of bounced off. It's, it, it looks like a really good game. Um, I think it's probably very fun. I'm watching the trailer and the B-roll right now. It looks wonderful. Uh, it's not it's not quite my vibe, uh, mm-hmm. just aesthetically and aesthetically. <laughs> um, <laughs> Each I, I, their I own. Yeah, I mean, punching demons is really cool. Uh, it sounds awesome. Uh, it's, it's probably not going to be one for me, but I will very much enjoy hearing friends like Kat talk about it when it comes out. Yeah, I know. The B-roll is kind of underselling it a bit, actually. Oh, really? like, if you watch some yeah. of the trailers, it looks really good. Well, there are over 150 of them. So oh. there's, there's dozens upon I, dozens. <laughs> I did play what I will never remember the name of this game, even though I played a lot of it. Uh, SMT FE Sharp. Sharp. Oh, Sharp FE. Sharp yeah. FE. What, whatever the crossover was. The uh, idle game. That's, yeah. I played mm. about half of that, and I, I liked that quite a bit. I thought that was interesting. 
uh, very colorful, very bright and cheery, which maybe is why I prefer that to regular SMT. Yeah, right. that one's like the SMT light because I feel like it uses a lot of the combat systems from SMT. Yes, but aesthetically and also just in general demeanor, it leans more into either the idol aspects or the Fire Emblem stuff. Yes. Uh, I, SMT is much, like Kat was saying, it's much darker. It's much like richer in a way. I, I love, yeah, it's it's the end of Evangelion RPG you didn't know Ooh. you wanted. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's like that weird, bizarre imagery that's just, oh, it's, yeah, it is an acquired taste, but there's not a lot of stuff that does it like SMT does, and SMT is the classic of it. So it is something just else. I, yeah, this, this trailer that we're watching right now where this big dude shows up and says, the God you know is dead or whatever. Like that's, <laughs> if that doesn't hook you in, SMT might not be for you thematically. But if that like makes you sit up a little bit, like this, this has stuff for you. That was the moment watching the B-roll. I was like, okay, this sounds kind of metal. All right, I'm into mm-hmm. this. Oh, Sweet. yeah, yeah. All right, well, that was uh, Cat Take, Shin Megami Tensei Five. We're all sleeping on it. Not anymore. And I think people, you know, this is one of those series that just has, like, absolutely, like, fanatical fans. And I think people are going to be extremely happy to hear positive uh, reinforcement of it and the fact that it is coming out. And when it does come out, no doubt we'll be talking about it on the show. I'm very actually excited to dig into it and look in, into it for myself now. So Shin Megami Tensei 5 comes out. We don't. What is the exact date? I know it's just 2021. November. November. <laughs> November. Wow. Look at that. Professional. Yeah. I don't have the exact date on hand. Just how prepared I am. But it well, that's is right. everyone coming is out yelling at their uh, iPhones right now because they know. Mm-hmm. Anyone who knows, knows. So sorry about that, folks. Or we'll just edit it's it. It's coming in. out November 11th. November 11th. All right. Cool. Mm-hmm. I, in Japan. I, it's November 12th worldwide. Perfect. I'm, I'm going to be traveling that day. So guess what I'll be doing on the airplane? Download it. Play it on your Switch. I'm, mm-hmm. That's the plan. That sounds like I'll just be grinding my way across. An the amazing USA. pitch from five years ago. Finally coming to fruition, playing SMT <laughs> on a plane. <laughs> With my uh, Volkswagen seat holder in, <laughs> in the back of it for me. But. All right, we're going to talk about what we've been playing, uh, which is, of course, our weekly segment where we talk about what we've been playing. Guess what I've been playing? You'll never guess. Animal Crossing. I started playing Animal Crossing again. You're back. I'm back. I, I, it took me a little while to get back into it. And I start at first I was like, oh, I kind of see why. I fell off this. Like I said, I had 45 hours, which as Eric pointed out, if you play any other game for 45 hours, that's a lot. But in mm-hmm. Animal Crossing, not so much. I hadn't even gotten KK Slider to, oh, spoilers. I hadn't gotten KK to do his concert yet. So that's what? where I, You were 45 yeah. hours in? You hadn't even gotten to that point? No, I tend to just get like focused on one. Some people yeah. did not speed run this game in the first two weeks of lockdown. <laughs> Some people played it like normal people. <laughs> well, the good news I is... I was not one of them, but... <laughs> he came, he did a concert, the credits rolled. It was very exciting. I've been playing it, and I've started to... Now I wake up in the morning, I'm like, I better check my island. Uh, and now, I, you know, I talk to Isabel. I'm actually actively trying to improve my island, whereas before I was just trying to make it as stupid as possible. Kat, you'll be... Very pleased to know I have undone the uh, the garbage dump house that I had originally <laughs> oh, made. Thank you. I got rid of all the what trash 
it's I, it's very nice and inviting now. There's a fireplace. There's a crackling warmth when you first step into. I have a pinball machine in case Sam ever comes over to visit. It's uh, so much and, more homey than like the New Jersey garbage garbage dump or whatever you were doing. It was, and I was. I, I think at the time I was trying to go for a crust punk vibe because all the clothes that I had I had gotten from the Lost and Found, so it was like torn shirt. Oh and like raggedy oh, pants no. and uh you know i had a mohawk and uh at one point i had like the misfits fiend that i had made for a, a tank like i don't know what i was thinking a year and a half ago but i'm past that now and i mean i've, I've gone diving for the first time that was very exciting Caught some some octopi. you saw the otter or no I, was it was it otter uh no, the otter is the fisher guy like there's somebody out there in the water that you can go hang out with there's the art oh, dealer what's oh, the out, name i haven't gotten that I haven't seen the guy mm. out in the scallops. He wants scallops. Yeah, or oysters. Either way, you're in for a tasty treat from the sea. So whatever. I he's... finished my diving section of my museum. I haven't had to talk to him in months. Really? I don't, I don't remember anything. That is. I might finally finish my museum now that I can build the shops. And uh, was it Harv's area where you can build the mm. shops and start recruiting shopkeepers? Like I might actually be able to get all of the art from Red after more than a year. No, Red sold the second thing Red sold me was a fake. Yeah, I was so mad. Mm -hmm. You got a lady with a pearl earring. I was like, ah, oh, it's one of the great Dutch. The worst masters. is when you show up and there's one you there's one real thing, but you already own it. Uh, <laughs> is there a way to know what's fake and what's real? Yeah, yeah. There's, there are differences. Look. You have to know. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can use guides. There's guides online, but you have Which to. I do. Oh, you have yeah, to actually like be familiar with the art. Yeah, yeah. You look at it. There's the fake ones have a weird discrepancy. There's a, there's some very obvious ones. I think the one that I remember is uh, the Vitruvian man has a big coffee stain on it. If it's the fake one, but the real <laughs> one does not have the giant coffee stain. Oh, that's uh, awesome. I think Mona Lisa, she's hardcore frowning in the fake one. Uh, <laughs> but but some of them are very subtle. Some of them are kind of hard. Now I want to look. Now I have to look at my uh, at my uh, girl with a pearl uh, earring to see what what's wrong, what's wrong with, her? with her. What happened? Yeah. Bought some of the uh, art that is fake just because I like the look of it. Like the um, mm. I got the Freya statue, the Rome the Roma statue, mm -hmm. and put it in my plaza. And I think it's the real one, actually. Like, I don't care. This looks really cool. It's not going in the museum. It's going out in my plaza. Some of the fake ones are haunted and they grow, they glow in the dark. No yeah, way. that's so cool. Yeah, Having a haunted cool, picture. Yeah. I hate that it lowers the value of your house. <laughs> it's just like the, the fake, life. It's like a fake, I think, Rosetta Stone or something that glows. Mm. Uh, it's mm. really cool. Wow. Now, see, this is all what I was like, what I was getting at was that at first I was, I realized why I got away with it and or away from it. And now I'm like, oh, now I know why I'm into it. Like I'm starting to f just come up with reasons to play. Like, ah, oh, I got to get all the Mario stuff from the the uh, with my Nook Miles. I've got to get you know. Oh, I, I didn't even have Island Designer unlocked. So now I'm just building cliffs and waterfalls everywhere, and just how you end up getting 600 hours in. I Welcome. know. That's where it I starts. Wish it were a little easier to do things like bridges or uh, excuse me, fences. And the amount of times that I've started a cliff and then immediately dug the cliff up is a little bit frustrating, but I don't care. I'm having a great time with it. It has actually pulled me away from Metroid, which I immediately started another playthrough after I, after I beat it. Um, I see that uh, Zach Ryan, former NVC cast member, is down to like 
four hours in hard mode now on his third. He's time played it, it like three times. That's wild. Yeah. Holy cow. Just like, and I'm really into Metroid Dread, but I don't, I don't know if I'll be able to get below four hours in hard mode, but we shall see. But now it's like, I'll never play it again. Now the, the Metroid Dread will have weeds all through it because I haven't played it in so long. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's me, Animal Crossing, back at it ahead of the update. Eric, I'm interested. What have you been playing uh, recently? Uh, I'm glad we talked about battle systems and RPGs Ooh. recently because I went down a really deep rabbit hole this week with Dungeon Encounters, oh, which is yeah. a game I did not expect to fall down a hole with. Uh, oh, interesting. This is a new RPG that Square Enix has not been like pushing as hard as, say, other Square Enix. It stuff dropped it down out. a rabbit hole and made us forget yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's it's basically like just minimalist dungeon crawler just okay. the most bare bones aesthetic you could have uh it's designed by hiroyuki ito who worked on a bunch of famous final fantasies in the past uh responsible for a lot of big things in the final fantasy series and this is a game if you like the idea of you don't need a lot of frills and you just want a really interesting complex evolving battle system with some good character art to go with it it is it just sates that need because Ooh, it's just okay. a game where you, i mean you can see it right here it's so bare bones you have basically physical shield magical shield hp and you're playing an atb battle system where you're just fighting back and forth with enemies and then when you go out to the overworld you have this almost crossword looking grid layout where you're just checking off boxes because you need to chart out the dungeon you need to chart out the depths of this dungeon that has appeared and it's so sparse but so easy to just pick up and put time into and put down and it keeps evolving it keeps growing it's honestly one of the biggest surprises for me this year in terms of oh, wow. uh being something that is so designed to be what it is and and so much design work has been put into it to make it a really deep experience i mean this is it's a really good battle system uh it feels almost like a prototype for future ideas for the atb battle system oh, cool. uh and I, if if what you are seeing is not something you think you like it's probably not for you there are a lot of people i've seen that are like oh i can't believe there's no there's no yeah. trees you couldn't put trees on this and i'm like i i don't know i feel like that would ruin it that would take away from it like let it be this sparse let it be this minimal and then it's like a prototype like, yeah. yeah it's it's got like a game jam feel to it. Like, you know, yeah. Hiroyuki Ito went into this cabin in the woods for three weeks and came back <laughs> with this. And it's, yeah, it's not polished, but ooh, what's going on here is so good that if you like RPG battle systems, if you like this dense stuff, and if you like the Final Fantasy aesthetic in general, also yes. the music just rips. Like, okay. It has no business being as good as it is, but it's this mixture of like metal guitars and Queen style composition. Yes. Feels too extra for what's happening on the screen. <laughs> and I love it. It's fantastic. For, uh, uh, this, I just want to point out for people who are week. listening, uh, the it's just basically it looks like the coffee stained Vitruvian man. Uh, mm -hmm. but there's like a grid, a crossword grid on it. So that's, it's very, very minimalist, but, uh, I, yeah, you just sold me on this one. I'm going to have to download this after we're done. Also ATB, if you don't know what that stands for, all time best. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's and it's so good. It it finds like the nice middle ground because it does. You know, it has the the ATB bars that charge up over time. But when it gets to somebody that can act, it pauses, which I think is the best way to oh, do nice. yeah, the ATB absolutely. system. And you kind of need it because it looks very tame right now, but things can so quickly go awry. And I've had battles where I lose half my party in a single go. And I haven't lost an entire party yet, but I've heard from other people who have that if you do, your party is basically lost in the dungeon and now you have to get some more people to go down there and rescue them and bring them back. And there's so many mystery dungeon interesting. Yeah. Yeah. If you like the mystery dungeon series, this is up your alley. hundred percent. So the parties are dynamic then you're building them on the go or how does that system work? You start out with a few characters that you can pick up at the Academy that's on the top level. And then the deeper you go, you can find different characters and some of them will just be hanging out. And this is one of the weird parts about this game is that it's a little esoteric at times. So I didn't realize at first that when it was telling me where the, where the potential party member was, was a coordinate on the map and I had to go there and then open my party thing and swap a party member I had out with the person that was in the dungeon because I was basically saying, okay, you come with me now and you can stay here. (laughs) And (laughs) there, there are people that you will find KO'd in the dungeon that you have to swap out and then take to a resurrection shrine to bring back. But the bonus that you're getting is they might be an extra powerful party member. They might have some unique attributes about them. They might have some equipment that's really, really good because all of your ATB attacks are determined by what equipment you're holding. So it's, it's a very malleable game too, where I have a character that started out as kind of my mage character, but then I found a gun and I gave her the gun yes. and how she's kind of a gun mage <laughs> and it rules. And yes, uh, it's the ways that this, this system is so simple and yet keeps finding ways to, present new and interesting problems within those those same settings like nothing is changing but it's finding interesting ways to turn and make me think differently about Mm. how my party is composed how my abilities are set up uh who's got what equipment uh how am i handling the the turn order of everybody it's a very very well designed game it's it's one that I'm constantly thinking on my feet in the same way that honestly, this is hitting the same spot that Slay the Spire did for me, where Ooh. I pick this up to cool down after work. I pick this up to play before I go to sleep because it's something that I can think about and noodle about for a bit and then so easily pick up, put down. Uh, it's it's honestly one of the surprises of the year for me. Wow. That Dang, uh, high praise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm yeah, very yeah. I did not expect to like it this much. And Square's <laughs> got another one of these oddball RPGs coming out pretty soon too. So, whatever they're doing over there with this, and then Voice of Cards when that comes out, uh, I hope they do more of this because it's a really cool idea to do these sort of half price, quote unquote, budget RPGs that are experimenting a little bit. Yeah, and this is uh, I've already forgotten. The name Dungeon Explorer, Dungeon Encounter, Dungeon Encounter, it is a difficult <laughs> name to remember. <laughs> it's so generic that you can't I even know. Remember. I was like, oh yeah, it's Dungeon mm-hmm. with an E. It's so. it's so minimalist. They were like, I don't know, just throw a name. It's Dungeon there. Encounters, whatever. <laughs> it's the working title that became the actual title. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Project Dungeon Encounter. <laughs> <laughs> Reb, you just showed up in the Bay Area. Congratulations, you settled. Thank in. you, thank you. Across the nation, this uh, well, half of it, I guess, is you're in the middle. But what have you been? Yeah. What have you been playing lately? Uh, well, I spent the two weeks of moving mostly playing Stardew Valley between moving boxes. But what hey. I'm actually, yeah, 
Oh, it's great. But what I'm actually playing right now is uh, mm-hmm. Disco Elysium. The final cut just came out on the Switch, and I had not had the pleasure of enjoying Disco Elysium and? prior to this. And so I figured the Switch, great time. Uh, seems like a perfect game for the Switch. Uh, it's not. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, Disco no. Elysium is a great game. Mm. Disco Elysium is fantastic. Everyone should play Disco Elysium. Uh, okay. Should they play it on the Switch? No. No. Oh. <laughs> Uh, Why? It, What's wrong with it? Oh, uh, it just it breaks my heart because I and I'm not even someone I I kind of don't care about performance about 90% of the time. I can ignore it enough to enjoy games and it's not something that I care about as a player. But oh man, the loading times are real bad and and Disco Elysium is a game where sometimes you will need to walk through a door and then immediately walk across the room and walk through a second door and there's a loading time on each one so you're just sitting there for mm. a full minute or however long or more mm. just just waiting for something to happen. Uh in handheld mode it's a little better. Uh it's it, it can be a little staggery at times but in handheld mode it, it mostly functions. Sometimes uh, uh, if you're watching the B-roll if you if you don't know I guess if you don't know anything about Disco Elysium uh, it's it's a very it's very tabletop inspired. Uh, there's lots of dialogue, lots of incredible writing in this game. Uh, but there's you're spending a lot of time in menus, reading dialogue and choosing dialogue options. Uh, and and the text kind of populates as you go along. And every once in a while, there's a sort of lag in the next option popping up where it'll just freeze for a moment and then the next thing will show up. Uh, the auto saves freeze the game in very surprising and sometimes alarming ways where you're like, wait, did it break? Is it okay? Uh, and then you put it in the dock and it all just goes to crap. Um, it snows at night in Disco Elysium and whenever the snow kicks in, uh, you're just, just jerking along as you oh. move and the music is oh. noises. Uh, it's really bad. Music's one of the uh, best parts too. So it's it, it it's crashed on me the other day. Oh and no! I I had I had not. I lost. I only lost about ten minutes of progress, which wasn't too bad, but it could have been a lot worse. But it's the principle of the thing, Dave. It's the principle of the thing. Right, right. Uh, yeah. So it was just. It's it's not great on the switch. I'm right. gonna keep. Oh, and then the other problem I'm having is when it's docked. I'm playing with a pro controller, mm-hmm. so it's not it's not Joy-Con drift. It's not doing this on the other game, but he it's a it's intended as like a point and click on PC for the most part, I think. So you're on PC, you're using your mouse to direct where uh, the main character goes. Uh, on on the switch, you use the analog stick to move him around, and then you use the right stick to sort of pick things to interact with. Like you mm-hmm. use them to highlight objects in the environment, and then you hit A to interact with them, and he will walk over to them to the right spot and then interact with them. In theory, uh, I'm getting some weird drift on the pro controller where when I'm not when I'm not touching him, he will just wander aimlessly around. And sometimes if I'm trying to, if I have highlighted an object and directed him to go there, he will suddenly just start drifting around in a different direction and it will cancel out what I was trying to get him to do. So I'll sometimes oh. sit there and he's just flailing around in front of an object while I'm trying to get him to interact with it. <laughs> and, and this doesn't happen in handheld mode because I'm using the Joy-Cons. So it's just, I'm going to I'm gonna push through because Disco Elysium is absolutely incredible the writing the depth of the systems the the gosh the character your partner kim is just the best person in the whole world and i forget all the morality systems i just don't want to disappoint him uh kim's your disappointed dad he is but he's the only person in the world who cares about me and i i just want to try and make him happy uh but like, like beyond that, if you have literally any other system to play Disco Elysium on and like this kind of game, get it. But uh, maybe 
either wait for a patch on the Switch if one ever comes. I don't know if we're ever getting one. It's mm. it's, it's rough. It's I, I hate saying it. I hate saying it. Well, Disco Elysium is one of the best RPGs I've ever played. It's incredible. Mm. And oh, wow. as many people as possible should play it. The way that, I mean, for, for one thing, the writing, the characterization is just incredible. But the way that it forces me into the role of this just absolute F-up detective yeah. who is a complete disaster and yet sort of lovable. And yeah. you uncover who he is while also fitting your own personality into the contours of this character. It's just magnificent. Yes, it is a masterpiece. Yes, it is masterpiece. a masterpiece of a game. And so it's sad to me because it is a kind of perfect visual novel style RPG that would work really well on the Switch. And yeah. uh, But, you know, Switch is getting a little long in the tooth at this point. I think this is why we wanted a Switch with a better processor this year. And so, you know, even games like Disco Elysium, which by most measures, not that uh, not that ambitious in terms of graphics and that kind of thing. Even yeah, those kinds no. of games might chug a little bit on the Switch these days. Yeah. Well, uh, what have you been playing outside of uh, singing the praises of, of Disco Elysium? Well. Uh, oh, sorry, you said cat. I was like, nothing else. Yes. Oh. <laughs> well, this involves Reb. Oh. So... I think Rev was alluding to this the other night. So we had we had a moment. We had a Nintendo moment, Seth. Okay. And that That's Nintendo moment was we got together and we were having some drinks and we we're welcoming Rev to the Bay Area properly. And we had a Switch OLED with us and we were like, let's break out the Switch OLED. And we had uh, I had my Switch OLED as well. So we were all had like the little Joy-Cons and we were playing Super Smash Brothers on yes. this tiny tabletop mode screen. We could not see a a freaking thing as we were trying to lean in <laughs> close enough to be able to see the screen. We were all just bouncing around as chaotically as possible. Sakurai's heart grew three sizes that day, oh. knowing how insane and chaotic that particular game round of Smash was. But I got a chance to try out Sora, and mm -hmm. so I've been a little bit of a Sora skeptic. <clears throat> I was not that excited about his inclusion because I'm not a huge Kingdom Hearts fan, but. As always, Sora is fun to play as, like, and it feels very him. I mm -hmm. was surprised at how powerful he felt. He is a very powerful character. Um, mm. So the way that he works is he does the projectiles, like he can shoot the fire, he can shoot lightning, he has uh, kind of a blizzard thing. And I, like, okay, so I only got a chance to play with him a couple times, so it seems the the way that the projectiles are handled are somewhat random. Please correct me if I'm wrong, I'm sorry, but it felt like it was switching without my control. So I was like, I had to keep an eye on which projectile it was going to be. His yeah, up and B is really strong, like absurdly strong. I was just killing people left and right when I was being able to attack them. And I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. he's very floaty, a very floaty character. So I found that a little bit hard to manage, but I don't think that I'm going to main Sora or anything because I don't have any particular emotional attachment to him. But as usual, impeccably well-designed character um, feels like a perfect addition to Super Smash Brothers. Uh, if you haven't seen it, you should go read Sakurai's final blog about it, where he revealed that it was only a chance encounter with a Disney executive that made it uh, allow them to put Sora in. Originally, they were oh, going to wow. have five characters. They ended up having six. So, okay. And what's funny, even funnier, is that in Kingdom Hearts lore... <laughs> Kingdom Hearts apparently came into being because a Square Enix executive supposedly ran into a Disney executive on an elevator. <laughs> and that's how that relationship got started. That 
it might be apocryphal. I think it came from an IGN interview from a long time ago. But so it's funny that another chance encounter allows Sora to get into Super Smash Brothers. That is awesome. You said Sora feels powerful. Is it? Is oh, does he feel like a like a like a balance issue? Powerful? Or no, no. Like I'm just powerful? saying that it was really easy for me to knock people out. Okay. And I play uh, a lot. I play a lot of Toon Link, and one of my favorite ways to kill people is I will do the up and B where he's doing the flying sword twirl move. And you can catch people in the air and then kill them like off the top of the screen. And you can basically do the same thing with Sora. So like I was immediately vibing with that particular element. So I was going, okay, yeah, like I could definitely play as Sora. But nice. um, I still think that Banjo is the single best DLC character followed maybe by Sephiroth, say? No, no Hero. I love Hero. But I think mm. Sora is a an admirable but in the meantime, yeah. I just I appreciated I appreciated the sheer chaos and unique experience of playing freaking Super Smash Brothers <laughs> on a tabletop in a hotel bar, you know, at 10 p.m. That's awesome. Oh man, yeah, uh, we don't know where our copy of Smash Brothers is, and we oh, haven't no. known for like oh. a year. My kids were like, "Where's Smash?" I was like, "I don't know." I thought you guys playing it. They're like, "We haven't seen it in in years." So the kids decided yeah. to taste Smash. It's <laughs> a problem. Yeah, that's what we we didn't talk about the phenomenon of people licking Smash Brothers or like. Oh my God, uh, I forgot Switch cards uh, yeah. back. In I still the day. haven't done it. Still haven't done yeah. it. And I never will. I don't need to taste that bitterness when there's so much don't sweetness inside. Don't do it. No, I'm not don't gonna. I'm never gonna do it. All right, do uh, it. No, I'm not. No. Right, do it. it. No, I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do it. I don't have it. I don't have my Switch within reach anyway. It wouldn't be. The Reb is the devil on, on the shoulder. Everyone. I'm the angel on the shoulder. Snap, I'm on your side. Thank you. Don't do it. Don't listen to Reb. Everyone, please tell Seth in the comments to lick a Switch cartridge. Do it for the no. content. If nothing else, do it for the content. Live on NBC. Um, that's actually do on TikTok. Your TikTok. Exactly. Oh, there you go. I, the kids will love that on the TikTok. Do it for the clout. I uh, TikTok. That's not for me. I don't have a TikTok presence. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, all right. We're going to move on to question block. That's where we take reader questions. Uh, let's see here. Marcus. Uh, I think this is. Emrys Cooper wants to know what other storied Nintendo franchise deserves a conclusion to its story arc. And this is in reference to, of course, Metroid Dread wrapping up the story arc that we didn't really know that we needed in our lives until it until it joined us. So, yeah, I I want to see Super Mario just wrap it up, guys. Like, why does Bowser keep kidnapping Princess Peach? Why does she keep falling for it every time? Does she know any other recipes other than cake? Like, let's just figure this out. Was Odyssey not the conclusion we all deserve from Mario? Because it was you know? all about Mario and Bowser trying to marry Peach. And that is Peach becoming a strong, independent woman and saying, no, true. screw you two. I'm going to travel the world with my the world. <laughs> Mario and Bowser finding that all they really needed was each other yeah. in the end. <laughs> it's beautiful. Yeah, exactly. The real coins were the friends that they made along the way. That doesn't. Mm -hmm. That doesn't even make sense. I'm sorry. <laughs> Eric, what what uh, franchise would you like to see wrapped up? Uh, I I don't know. I there are some I'd like to see sequels to. Like there are okay. a lot more that I think I'd like to see sequels to than actual conclusions to. But you know, maybe for the the fans who have been waiting forever, maybe a, a conclusive Golden Sun game or something like that. Ooh, Just something that would. Oh uh, something that would like bring a series back and also put a nice bow on it um 
but I don't know if there's a lot of Nintendo series that I want to see have like a conclusive end to an arc or anything like that. Cause I mean, breath of the wild would have been my answer and we're getting a breath of the wild too. So, uh, I, yeah, I don't know. Maybe an Oracle of seasons continuation or something like that would be cool too. But, um, uh, I'd rather see stuff continue on. I don't feel like there's anything that narratively needs a conclusion for me. Okay. That's a perfectly valid, uh, take on the subject. Reb, is there anything that springs to mind? I noticed you perked up. Well, Eric stole my answer. Okay. I'm I'm the number one Golden Sun stand. Yes. I I have long felt that no matter what, if Golden Sun comes back at this point, uh, it's not going to be what it was uh, for many reasons, platform related, uh, team related, all kinds of reasons. But they have dragged out this darn story that they are trying to tell with Golden Sun for so long, continuously teasing, oh, in the next book. Uh, and then they never make a next book or they do so and it's dark dawn. Uh, I I would like them to put a nice cap on it and just like let let everybody live in peace with alchemy. It would be great. Uh, also, I just want another Golden Sun game. But I I have kind of lost hope that if if they made one, it would be what I want. So, yeah, I don't I, I'm with Eric. I don't have a good answer to this. I would I would well, like no good or bad answer here. Yeah, this well, I would. I would to keep making nice games uh i i don't i don't know like what i don't know what would what I needs think to that the reason that we're struggling a little bit is because nintendo games have always been kind of self-contained anthology series yeah. and it's rare that they have overarching stories like zelda and metroid are kind of the exceptions to the rule and in right. many ways people like ag aonuma have had to push back hard against miyamoto's natural inclination to not have a kind of a story like miyamoto comes back from a hardcore kind of arcade background back in the day. He's like, mm-hmm. story, we don't need story. And maybe to some extent... What's this gorilla's right. motivation? Why does he want to steal this lady? I think that the best games have their story embedded into the gameplay. That's why I think mm-hmm. Super yeah. Metroid is one of the best games. It's because it's so minimalist in the storytelling. It does have an arc. It has an emotional climax, but it doesn't bang you over the head with its storytelling, it doesn't have cutscenes and whatnot, right. except for the opening, whatever. But I guess my answer would be, uh, let's have the grand Pokemon finale that we all deserve. Bring it all mm-hmm. together. We, uh, we had kind of a conclusion in Gold and Silver, and we've seen Red and Blue return as adults, and apparently they're in love and traveling the world together, which... They are! <laughs> but I'm so happy I, I, I think that there's so many unanswered questions, and... Right. Maybe it's time to bring the Pokemon saga together what? all in one. Bring all the regions together. Let's do it. Have- I like that. I, I think you're right. I think that's the, the time is now. But unfortunately, the time is also now for us to end the show. I am. Uh, that's all the time we have left for this week's Nintendo Voice Chat. So make sure to follow us on Twitter at Nintendo Voice or excuse me, NVC Podcast. You can submit your questions to NVC at IGN.com or on the po- or post on the NVC Facebook page. Thanks to our guest, Eric. Where can people find you online? Hi, you can find me in a lot of places online uh, by day over at destructoid.com, where I write a bunch of stuff for them. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, cmoosi, that's S E A M O O S I. And you can uh, <laughs> head on over to Normandy FM, which is a retrospective podcast that I run with my friend Kenneth Shepard. Uh, we're currently on Final Fantasy X. It's been a blast. Nice. 
And uh, I've also been guessing a lot on Acts of the Blood God, Excellent. which uh, I heard someone here is is no you know yeah. knows about Acts of the Blood God. I don't know. I don't know if she's brought it up yet. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for joining us, uh, Reb and Cat. As always, thank you both. Also, Red on the ones and twos, Logan behind the scenes, and most of all, thanks to you, the listener, for hanging out with us. And remember, NVC is the only podcast in the damn world where you can get the thing. thing. Get the thing. Get the thing.